Now, the heart of the issue here in this Gnosticism was, was Jesus a real man? Was he really human flesh? Did he have a, a normal body with flesh and bone and sinews and all the human traits of human personality, emotions, and the psyche of the human mind? Did the Lord Jesus possess all of those things? Well, John, right at the beginning of the book, set the tone and the truth, and he talked about the Lord whom he had heard, seen, and he had This is the John that lay on Jesus' breast. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and today the message is on 1 John. Who cares about the deity of the Lord Jesus? Who cares about those false teachers in pulpits that are condemning men to a lost eternity? Who cares for those that are uh, demolishing and destroying the purity of our Lord Jesus and the gospel that he accomplished on the cross? Well, the answer is, every born-again believer cares. And as we turn to 1 John chapter 4, we're going to find that was the teaching of John the Apostle. And may that word fill your heart today and lead you and strengthen you to be one who will stand up for the Lord Jesus and be a faithful witness unto him. Stay tuned as we let the Bible speak. Coming back to the law of repetition tonight, and that is the outline of the book of 1 John. Chapter 1 is all about communion, fellowship with God. You remember that word koinonia, that for this purpose have John written that ye might have fellowship with the Father, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son. Chapter 1 is about how we have this fellowship with God and the Son. Chapter 2 is what happens when we enter into this fellowship, when we are born again. Chapter 3 is by whom. And you'll notice it begins in chapter 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, and it is the Father's doing. Chapter 4 is the chapter of who cares about this fellowship with God and with the Son. Well, I can assure you tonight that John the Apostle cared. And he gave the note of warning in this chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. And again, remember, this book was written at the end of the first century when there was uh, some history now behind the witness of the New Testament church. There were false teachers that had crept in. There were those that were really opposing the reality of the, the human nature of the Lord Jesus. They were sowing the seeds of Gnosticism. 
And that error troubled the church for 200 years before certain things were settled in the history of Christ's church. Now, this is apostolic Christianity. John was not writing his own opinions. He always wrote in the plural. We saw, we heard, we testify. This is our message. And he was an an apostle writing with that authority. Now, false prophets don't care. They come into the church and whatever, really, whatever wave they can ride, whatever opposition they can raise, they will utilize it to their own ends. These were pseudo-prophets. They were false from beginning to end. And of course, they don't care about the person of the Lord Jesus. And so, the Lord's name and the Lord's nature became a theological battleground, where who the real Jesus is became so important. Now, in this fourth chapter, you'll notice a number of times the name Antichrist. And John is the only one in the New Testament that uses that term. Now, when we think of Antichrist, we might think of someone who is taking the place of the Lord Jesus. And some would. The Pope of Rome would take that role. He has been dubbed an Antichrist in the sense that he makes claims that belong only to the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. But I think in this passage, the word Antichrist simply means to oppose Christ, to set out, to undo the things that the Lord taught and that the Lord preached. Now, the heart of the issue here in this Gnosticism was, was Jesus a real man? Was he really human flesh? Did he have a a normal body with flesh and bone and sinews and all the human traits of human personality, emotions, and the psyche of the human mind? Did the Lord Jesus possess all of those things? Well, John, right at the beginning of the book, set the tone and the truth, and he talked about the Lord whom he had heard, seen, and he had... This is the John that lay on Jesus' breast. And he would have thought, how dare anyone raise the issue that my Lord Jesus did not have a real human body? Now, there are always those who take this middle compromised line and say, well, does it really matter? Does it make a difference? To John, it made all the difference. If there was no incarnation, if the Lord Jesus did not have a real body, then we could not have a redeemer. If there was no incarnation and our Lord Jesus had no human body, there is no sacrifice for sin. If there's no incarnation and Jesus did not have a human body, then there is no blood atonement, no physical blood. It's just a theory. It's just a metaphor. But we know that from the cross of Calvary and from a real human body flowed real blood, the blood of the God-man. No incarnation, then we tonight have no heavenly intercessor at God's right hand. The prayer I offered earlier 
at talking about having a strong man at God's right hand, our advocate to intercede for us. All of that is just jargon with no reality. And if the Lord Jesus did not have a real human body, there is no such thing as his physical return in a real human body. All this hope of Christians, of a man coming in the clouds, that every eye will see him, it falls flat on the ground. And therefore, John, seeing the issues, he stood his ground and he contended for the faith and he really cared. Now, Paul the Apostle would have called such agents of darkness. John referred to them as false prophets and those who were speaking lies. Now, the real issue that affects us tonight is who in this meeting cares? Do you really care that the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, and maybe you call him your Savior tonight, does he have a real human body? Does he represent you and me, a physical body at the right hand of God. Is he coming again for? As we go down this chapter, and that's what I want to do tonight, we're going to really do a chapter study on this theme of who cares. And you will see in verse 4 that true converts care. Now, a convert in John's teaching is one who has been born of God, one who knows God in heart not just in lip profession, but one who is born again and who is in fellowship with the Father and with the Son, this partnership. And I went to some length to explain that fellowship is not just talking and getting together. It is this partnership, one with another, koinonia. And all who are in union with the Lord, and in partnership with His redeeming grace, they will care. Look at verse 4. Ye are of God, little children. Now that term, of God, has to mean something. What does it mean to be of God? If you are a son of an outstanding figure in a community or in a nation, to be a son of has vast meaning. To be a son of God means that you are related, that you are in partnership with. And in this gospel sense, it means you are of the same nature, partakers of the divine nature. And seeing we have some who weren't with us in previous meetings on First John, when we talk about being partners of God's nature, we're not talking like Mormons where we will become gods. No, there's a firm line between God and his creature. And you draw the line in the middle. God is the creator. We are creatures. We may become godly, godlike. We may have many of the attributes or the characteristics of God in us and working in our hearts, but we never become a creator. We're always creatures on that level. And the holiest man and woman on earth, the godliest man or woman, is a creature. And even when we get to heaven and we spend time with God in eternity, 
we will still be creatures. And yet the Bible says we are partakers of this divine nature. There are attributes of God that are conferred and transferred to the believer. You are interested tonight in truth. You are interested in justice. You are interested in holiness, power, and various other characteristics that belong to God. But as one that is born again or born of God, those things are in you because God has begun a work of grace within your heart. In verse 4, you'll notice that converts care because they have God dwelling in them. Hear of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you. This is mind-boggling. This is, is, is beyond our comprehension. That the God of heaven comes to live in the clay body of our nature. This is as big as creation. It's as big as the miracle of Calvary. It's as big as God himself. It's the miracle of the new birth, being born of God, partakers of a divine nature, in partnership, not just in a theory now, but in real spiritual union and communion with the living God. Paul said he called it Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what a Christian is. A Christian can say, it's not only that I can know from the catechism or from some Bible verse that Christ is real, but Christ is in me, and I know it. And John repeated that over and over again. Ye know that ye are born of God and are assured. Ye have confidence. He uses all of these terms. Now let that sink in. God is so great that he fills the whole universe with his presence, and yet he lives in our hearts. I hope you sing from time to time that little song, He lives, he lives, I know he lives, for he lives within my heart. And converts who have the Lord living in them care. They care about the nature and of what men think and say about the Lord Jesus. Converts also care because greater is he that is in you that is in the world. Now, the ungodly, the worldling, are slaves to the world. They want to think like the world. They want to walk like the world. They want to look like. You just need to travel through an airport, sit at some place where people are passing and going, and you just wonder. They look like they're wearing pajamas, look like they've got tattoos and all kinds of paraphernalia, And you just wonder, what world have they come out of? That's the world. They are slaves to the world. But the Christian is no longer a slave to the world. We've got a new mind, a new heart, a new walk, and it manifests itself in so many ways. And it's the gospel that is the controlling power of your life. And it should be. So born-again Christians are set free from the mastery of the world. You see, we don't live in a vacuum. No such thing as getting saved, being born again, and you just stop doing certain things. Stop smoking and drinking and drugs and bad language and worldly things. You just stop, and that makes you a Christian. That would be an empty vacuum, and your life would be 
not only unpredictable, but unimaginable. A Christian is born of God. He is delivered from the slavery of the world. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've got a new master now. Your master is the Lord Jesus. He's Lord of your life. And you're living for him. And you're living with him in you, working out your salvation each and every day. You'll notice in verse 6 how John puts this. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. But not for the born-again Christian. We, are, we will not take the Lord's name in vain. We will not swear with the ways of the world, nor follow their ways. And John, back in chapter 222, he used very strong language. He said, who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. And so, converts care. If you're a Christian tonight, you care about the name, the honor of your Lord Jesus. You want to see him magnified. You want to see him honored. And you want to be a part of glorifying the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the reason you're saved. Saved to glorify the Lord. Are you doing that? Did you do that today? The things you did, the places you went, the use of your time. What about the week to come? Employment you enter into, the money-making schemes you devise, the friendships you form, the decisions you make. Every one of them, as a born-again Christian, you will care, the testimony of the Lord Jesus. Now we'll move on to the second heading here, and that is the faithful church cares. If you look at verse 6, it says, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, but he that is not of God heareth not us. Now who are the us here? John again is speaking as one of the apostles. This is the plural language. This is the Grammar that he uses because it's apostolic. This is the foundation of the church. What is the church built upon? The apostles and Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. And those who are born of God form the church and the faithful church cares. Now, the faithful church is made up of hearers. The New Testament church is a hearing church. That's why the Lord Jesus said, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. The church is made up of born-again believers who are hearers, and they discern the truth, and they want more of the truth. And here in this verse 6, he says, We are of God. He that heareth us is part of that gospel-preaching church. Now, this gives us a little bit of leeway here to just say something about the kind of church that you ought to be attending. And I don't know each one individually, so I'm going to make a few blanket statements. Just because there is a steeple on top, and just because there's a sign outside that says church, doesn't mean that's the place for you to attend, to glorify the Lord, to feed in His Word. I think
Well, I hope you've got the gist of what the message is, and tomorrow I will uh, go a little further on what churches are doing and how they are failing to preach and teach the Word of God and our need to be a biblical people. I hope that you have grasped that. Christians are Bible believers. Christians read their Bible, they obey the Bible, and they follow the light of the Bible that they may walk in the light of the Lord and do his will. And I hope that you are a believer and that you are a Bible student, that you are digging into the Bible each and every day, that you might grasp the great things of God. Now, of course, I want to be of help to you, and if you would be interested, feel free to give me a call, and I'll send you a little booklet called The New Beginning, and it will be a great help to any that are searching to know the way of salvation or have different questions about assurance and peace with God. This booklet is free of charge to any, and we'll send out a copy to you in the mail, or if you wish to order 10 copies, we can do that for $25. Now, we have a, a word coming up here, and I hope that you will stay tuned as we Let the Bible Speak today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher calling all Canadians back to the Bible. For you to worship without a Bible, you are an idolater. You are like a politician who will not recognize the law of the land. Well, you should be a role model for your constituents. A lawless politician is not a leader of any people, but a rebel to king and country. So to pretend to worship God after your own thinking is to really make the God of your own imagination. In the 14th chapter of his prophecy, we read that Ezekiel was told to speak this word to the people of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart, and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him, that cometh according to the multitude of his idols, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are estranged from me through their idols." God had revealed himself to his people Israel. He had given them the light of his glory in the tabernacle and the temple. He had delivered them by miracles and led them into a good land. He had given them his law, the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible. And God sent prophets to teach them out of that good law how to put them into practice and apply them to their daily lives. But that light was despised. Knowledge of God was willfully forgotten, and the people worshipped by their own craft and pleasure. Idolatry was so endemic in the land because it was deep in their hearts. They set up idols in their hearts. As Canadians have ceased to read the Bible, they become their own false guides. They want the reasonings of men and reject the Word of God. The preacher of the Bible is despised. That doesn't just leave a vacuum in men's hearts. They become willful and unashamed idolaters. The dictates of their own hearts drive them 
to serve the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every man wants to do what is right in his own eyes, and they will not walk in the light of the Lord. Canada has therefore fallen on the rock of humanism. Some call it wokeism, where the old institutions are to be torn down. This is all because already in their hearts men have become idolaters. They love their own gods or human wisdom, materialism, and are hedonists. Their god is their belly, and pleasure is their goal. In the mad rush for happiness, they have abandoned holiness, anything that pleases God. While I am talking generally about the people of Canada, is it not possible that I am talking about you, my dear listener? Somehow you have set up an idol in your own heart. You are obsessed with self and pleasure, but you have forgotten the Lord. You are therefore like the people of Israel. You are estranged from God through your idols. Now, please take heed, therefore, to the warning of God's prophet Ezekiel, to whom God gave the remedy of repentance. God's words to him were these, Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Repent, and turn yourselves from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. That is always God's remedy to sinners. Repent, change your ways, do an about turn to cease from your ways, the ways of sin and worldliness, and seek the Lord for mercy. Without repentance there is no remedy. God said he would stretch out his hand to destroy these idolaters. He would send famine and cause wild beasts to invade, to leave them desolate. This is a serious warning, because God did it. Israel was indeed reduced to poverty. They were left a defeated people. They were filled with shame for their idolatry and disobedience. This again shows us that there are always consequences for sin. You cannot rebel against God and still enjoy His love. The first step to blessing is to fear the Lord and then to seek His mercy through Christ. Go to the cross. Plead cleansing in the blood of Calvary. Go as a sinner to Jesus for deliverance from your wicked sins, and then you will be saved. 1 John 7 is true here, right through to verse 9. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and make him a liar. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I would beseech you today to pray over these verses, 1 John 1, 7-9, and pray for cleansing from every idol in your heart. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. 
There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.